making sure people understand what you do and that you don't charge money as a mortgage broker 99% of the time, right? Like if you're just there to talk, you're not even making money, but people don't know these options and don't know they need you till you talk about it. Unfortunately, I can't stop talking about it sometimes. My fiance is tired of hearing me. So I talk to our friends. Yeah, you're like, listen, I don't want to listen to anyone. I don't care. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to I Love Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, we talk to a rookie who's making waves in the industry to find out who's succeeding in today's competitive market. Today, I talked with Sebastian Pedreros-Rusi. Hopefully, I got the name right. This is a really interesting conversation. So Sebastian is tax planning. He became a real estate agent and a mortgage broker in the last year. And in most cases, I tell people for that, like love of God, don't do that. Like, let me slap some sense into you. However, Sebastian is actually doing well at both. I don't know how he does it. I think he's an anomaly. And so a couple of background him. So he did 14 mortgages in his first year close, which is pretty decent. And he did 10 real estate transactions as a real estate agent which again, if you're doing 10 real estate transactions, you're doing pretty decent. You know, if you look at in the GTA, that's in Toronto, the 50,000 real estate agents that are in there, 24% of them make more than 44 grand a year, right? Like bonkers. So somehow Sebastian's able to do both these things. So I talked to him about time management. How does he manage his time? I get into, you know, how he found this business. You know, where did he get these clients? And then at the end, he asked me about, hey, how do I do community events that are effective, that are not just local, but also can be work online? And so I share with him three different ways you can do community events that we've had some of our coaching clients. So I'm telling you, you want to listen to that. There's some great stuff there. And check that out. Before we jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadians very easy for borrowers. And on the broker side, as they're filling out that application, it's knowing what documents that they need based on how they fill it out. When that application comes in, you can go and search the lender rates and guidelines and lender spotlight to figure out where that loan should go, where is the best fit. So it saves you time there. And then when you go to hit submit to the lender, a couple things happen. One, it'll be like, hey, don't forget this lender has these policies so you don't miss it and don't waste time on sending a file that's gonna die. And then the second thing it does is it pulls over all the important notes from the file into the lender submission notes. And you maybe think, oh, they're just gonna read the application. If you've actually ever looked at what a lender sees on their screen on the other side, you're like, wow, I can't believe that's what you work on. And every lender does it differently. So it's challenging sometimes for them to find the key information. And so make it easy for them. Lender Spotlight makes it easy for you and easy for your lender. Check them out at lendescom slash Finmo, schedule a free demo. And check out this conversation I have with Sebastian. Hey, Sebastian, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. So hey, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. So I'm living in London, London, Ontario, but I'm from Sarnia been here about 10 years now, almost 11. I'm also a realtor and a tax preparer as well as a mortgage agent, which is why I'm here to talk to you. Yeah, dude, we were chatting a little bit before turning on the recording and I have many questions about this whole three things that you're doing. So tell me about the tax preparation business. How long have you been doing that? So I've been doing that almost seven years. That was always kind of a, some people's hobbies are fun, minor taxes. It was a business I just started up because I always want to know my own finances and help other people too. So in the tax business, approximately how many clients do you have? that you work with? About 450 a year. And then when did you decide to get your mortgage license and real estate license? How long ago was that? About two years ago is when I started the process for getting both licenses. So you got them two years ago. When did you actually start work as a realtor and a mortgage broker or mortgage agent, I guess? So I'd say both full-time would be about a year ago. And at that time, I was actually still working at Bell as a sales rep. So at that time, I had four jobs and I just finally was able to quit in May this year, 
at Bell. Oh, I see. So you worked at Bell and you then also did tax preparation as a side hustle and then said, hey, wait a second, maybe I can replace Bell with these two, not just one, but two. It's like, you know, one of those infomercials. But wait, there's more. Not only do you have a real estate license, you have a mortgage license. Okay, so you have this mortgage license and a real estate license. And for most people, I would say that's an insane thing to even attempt. So what you're doing is to me is like, you're on a tightrope and you're juggling on a unicycle. And I tell people, just pick one of those things, you know, be on a tightrope, be on a unicycle, juggle, trying to do three is very challenging for most humans. But how did your mortgage business do in the last 12 months? I'm interested in like files funded. Volume is not a great measure because it can be varied from market to market, right? 100%. So yeah, being in London, I'd say my volume is a little less than some maybe Toronto agents around there, but I've got 10 push through, four broker complete. So 14 in my first year. Right. And then how about on the real estate side? So did you do any real estate transactions in this last year? 10 officially complete this month. So I'm pretty proud. Do you make more money on a real estate transaction or a mortgage transaction typically? So per transaction, I don't think it's a secret that realtors make a little bit more money. I think that anyone who's considering one career or the other should look at longevity though. So like you're going to do a mortgage every three to five years, that person might not talk to me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, Like the average homeowner stays seven to eight years or something like, you know, depending on the average, of course, but like, so you're double before they move again. So, okay. And then what prompted you to go, wait a second, forget Bell. I want to go do this. What made you decide to get into both of these industries? So I was at Bell and Rogers for almost 10 years did the tax thing as a side gig slash just wanting to know my finances. What got me into it was I wanted to take money out of a condo that I lived in and to buy an investment property. I realized how many questions I was asking the person at Libro at the time. I realized how little I knew. And I'm a guy that doing my own taxes, I like to know a little bit more than the average person. Yeah. So I was like, I feel like a complete idiot. I need to do a little bit more research here. So one thing led to another, taking the mortgage agent course wasn't very expensive. But it taught me a lot and it really made me go, okay, well, if I'm going to go into real estate anyway, that was already kind of the plan to get from my tax clients, talk to them about their investments. So it was the nice bridge in between. So which license did you get first, the real estate license or the mortgage agent license? The mortgage license. And then you're like, but I'm not done yet. I'm going to do another one. So then you decide to take your real estate license as well. To me, that's like crazy. And it sounds like like, you know, to do 10 real estate transactions and 14, what's your goal for next year? What are you hoping to, you know, you look at everything you got going on? What are you hoping to do? Like everyone, I'd love to double my business year over year, but I'd be totally content if I did 50% more than that. So 15 uh, real estate transactions, maybe leading into 20 somewhere for the closed files on the mortgage end. That'd be my assume that depending on what you do at one of those like Bell companies, you got to be making more money than you were in your previous job now at this point, hey? Yeah. I mean, just behind me, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I was almost making hundred K per year just as a cell phone sales rep. I stopped being a manager because they made less than me, but this industry has done better already. Yeah. This is my first year. So I'm pretty happy. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So where do you find clients? So like, it's one thing to be like, okay, I'm going to do these two things, but then how did you go out and find clients? So far, it's a lot of word of mouth referrals using your social media. Some people are going, Hey, I didn't know you did taxes. Even so that's one thing I was the longest. I didn't even know that was a secret. Really putting your name out there, just shaking hands and talking to people. Okay. And I think we touched on this. I asked you earlier. So about of the number of clients, so you got 14 and 10, how many of those 10 real estate transactions were also mortgage clients? Uh, five. Okay. And then of the 14 and 10, how many of them came from your tax planning database? Sorry, four were both clients and but five total clients. <laughs> 
of business. So the thing that impresses me about what you've done, brother, is like, it is hard enough to go and build a mortgage business for somebody from scratch. You've done that. Plus you built a real estate business. And I can see why Jason was like, Hey, you got to talk to Scott, this unique, you know, animal species. And I've seen lots of them. And I'm like, this is one I have not seen very many people. And most of the time I try to talk people out of this. Jason Armstrong is your broker owner. And when he talked to me about his accounting practice and his mortgage business, I'm like, dude, get rid of the accounting practice. And his mortgage business exploded. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see like over the next couple of years, how, if you continue to do both, if one of them becomes just, you know, the bigger opportunity, and I guess you can play that as you go. But so you said that you were putting your word of mouth, but like, give me something specific that you found was helpful for finding some of these other clients that were not from your tax database. Largely talking to people when I was at Bell, mentioning it to friends, family, making sure you cover your kind of inner circle before you really look past that. That's my next stage is probably a question I have for you at the end of this is how to do that successfully. I'll build on that after, but really just making sure people understand what you do and that you don't charge money as a mortgage broker 99% of the time, right? Like if you're just there to talk, you're not even making money, but people don't know these options and don't know they need you till you talk about it. Unfortunately, I can't stop talking about it sometimes. My fiance is tired of hearing me. So I talk to our friends. <laughs> yeah, you're like, listen, I don't want to listen to anyone. I don't care. So, okay. So you basically would just talk to anybody and everybody that you was in your circle. Have you taken the time to build like an email list from everybody that you know and from your tax planning list? Yeah, I've got uh, about 500 people on an email list now. And how often do you email them? I haven't actually emailed anyone yet. Okay, so that's what I'm going to talk about at the end. I'll give you some ideas on what you can do to like, you want to expand your network. I have a brilliant idea that it's gonna be amazing for you. Okay, so so did you start full-time, part-time? Like when you just left Bell, did you just go, okay, I'm going to do both these careers full-time or was it like gradual? How did you do that? I started part-time probably like most people, but I mean, we all know that it quickly becomes a full-time job when you're answering emails at late at night or taking phone calls early in the morning. I kind of knew it was time to leave Bell for two reasons. One, when you start thinking of your time in a day and time management, and I've got to now take care of myself because I was stretching myself a little bit too thin to take care of myself so that I can take care of my clients. Because now I'm not just selling them a cell phone. This means their house, right? They can get a cell phone tomorrow. So it's right, right. really about time management. Became yeah, yeah. And I'm going to ask about time management actually in a second. So it's part-time. How long did it take before you went full-time? What was the timeline on that? So the only reason it took longer than I wanted to, it took six months is because I bought the house that I'm in right now and did not want to quit that income till I was in this house. Right. I see. Well, you don't want to mess up your qualification, your mortgage. Like you tell your clients, Hey, guess what? I got an offer on a house. I quit my job. Is that okay? No, that's not okay. Don't do that. So was there any point you questioned if this was the right career move for you? Absolutely. Yeah. A few times, probably one of the biggest ones was for anyone else who's thinking about getting both licenses. It is very stressful, especially when you are the mortgage agent on a purchase that you're doing as a realtor. It is stressful. I always use my hat analogy. Like I'm wearing two different hats. So I'm like, this Sebastian's going to tell you to be very conservative and here's your ratios and here's all this. And the other house can say, it's okay, bye. So it becomes very, very stressful. Right, right, to try to balance. This is why most people can't do it, right? I think that most people would struggle to do it. Okay, so can you share a file that you lost when you started out, but now you look back and go, wait a second, because I think you said to me, you have about 30 clients to talk to to close 14 of them, which is pretty decent ratio for a new person. And so can you think of one that you're like, ah, oh, I should have handle it differently or whatever. Cause I think that's useful. There's two that I more or less just handed off because I didn't know better. I didn't know enough from the course and probably should have done my own due diligence a little bit faster on the B space. So not just yeah. always looking at 3944, 
you know, just talking to someone who is a tax client and free for a phone call, talk to them, just verbally asking them questions was like, you're way too high. Like, there's no way I can help you. So good luck. And then when I talked to Jason about it, my team, they're like, oh no, man, that's something we could easily have looked at. I'm like, oh, so now it's having the more research is always going to help you. Right. Right. And having somebody to run it past. So that's a good point. So how do you manage your time? How do you manage your day between, because you said to me of the 10 sales, eight of them were purchases. Purchases mean showings. Showings means getting in your car, driving around. How are you managing showing houses and underwriting files and dealing with lenders? It's fun. I'll say that. You seem way too relaxed to me. Like, honestly, I get anxious just thinking about it. And I'm not you. I'm sitting there going, I'm stressing out thinking about what your day looks like. And you're just calm as a cucumber. So maybe this is just in your DNA or something. But so if you get up in the morning, is it every day is different? Or do you have a method or something that you find is helpful? Especially Monday to Friday, I try and get whatever workout, whatever personal things I need done by 8am. Then the rest is open platform till six o'clock. If I had meetings, if I had showings, if I have underwriting to do, sometimes that's just done at night. And I kind of give people that heads up that, hey, I'm not necessarily a guy who sits in his office. I could be 48 hours before I even get to look at this. Typically, you get it done faster at night. But you said um, expect, so there's the thing, you're setting an expectation of saying, hey, I'm going to get back to you in an hour when it's going to be the next day kind of thing. But again, if clients are referred and they're trusted, they'll wait. I'd wait for somebody that I trust rather than, you know, somebody who's quick and that I don't know, at least personally, you know. One of the tools I use is Calendly yeah. um, to set that expectation too, where the next day is always blanked out. I put my own schedule in there for clients to reach out to, but more or less always setting the expectation that, yeah, you can call me anytime, but don't expect it like in an hour. I might have to get back to you or certain things might take a 40 hour time frame. Right. Do any other tools you use to manage your time? Like you use Calendly, anything else? Google Calendar and Calendly be the top tools. I think Calendly is a game changer for sure. All right, man. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. You can answer as shorter answers if you like. So what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? One that we traditionally don't charge a fee, so don't be scared to ask a question. Questions are free no matter what the circumstance, even if it results in something later with a private uh, B. The questions are still free. Also, I encourage talking to people. A lot of people think that they only have to talk to one person. You got to get to know who you're working with, right? Does that personality fit with you? You might be rich, but you still might not be the best client for me. Right. if we're not on the right communication level. And then what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? Deadpool, because Ryan Reynolds is just awesome. He is a funny dude. He's Canadian too. Go get it out. Another reason. Uh, so, and what about, what's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? Which one of my software is that I'd love to mention to anyone. Even if something's expensive or seems expensive, if it saves you time in a year, if you can really quantify it, don't be scared of the price tag sometimes. It just well, give me an example of something like, well, Calendly is not that expensive. It's like 15 bucks a month or something. But like, are you thinking like what type of things that people could think about? Hey, that costs me money, but completely neglecting the fact that it's actually the time savings is exponentially more valuable than the little bit of cost. So for a lot of people, it might be advertising, putting together your social media posts. But for me, I type super slow. I can do math well. I can do a lot of things well. I'm Spanish, French, and English, by the way. So grammar is my least strong suit. So typing proper emails is my least favorite. I actually pay for Django, which once I put the person in and their information in, I can move them along what's called the Kanban and their realtor, whoever else is involved in the fire, the solicitor, everyone can get these different emails that are already set up. You don't have to rewrite. Yeah, yeah. So it's one and done kind of thing. Yeah. On one file, it can save me 30 emails. 
Right. That makes sense. That's a good idea. And then, so knowing what you know now, if you're to start over again, anything you do different? I'd start sooner, but focus on one first. <laughs> focus on one. But here's the thing. It may, if it grew too big, you may not get to the second one. You're fascinating to me as a case study. I want to see in a year from now what you're doing. And is one of them, are you doing both the same? If you can, that's amazing. Or is one of them starting to overtake the other in terms of time? And, you know, only time will tell. I'm just a mess. So I wouldn't suggest anyone else do this right away. Even if one overtakes, that's probably for a good reason. But yeah, no, so far it's 50-50. And I got asked the other day, if you could have the same amount of business, but on one side or the other, would you? And I said, no, because this splits up my day nicely. Right. So here's what you said at the beginning there. What was your question that you said that you were wanting to like dive into that was something to do with either expanding your network or? I really yeah. want to be, I love FaceTime. I love talking with somebody to their face. What's the right way that you would do something like in your community, like say giving out hot dogs, ice cream, in a park near your neighborhood. I'm not necessarily trying to charge people money or anything, just that you could track. Would you get them to like you on social media, follow your podcast? Oh, okay, I got a plan for this. So properly. Okay, so here's what I would do. One of my uh, coaching clients did this. So I like to do things that are outside the normal rhythm. So like Christmas, everybody's doing stuff at Christmas, people are busy. So one of the things that we've had good success with is a pie giveaway in Thanksgiving. Pick some random, you know, not as big of a holiday time to do it because you're going to stand out because people are like, oh, nobody does anything at Thanksgiving. So we would do a pie giveaway and we would get our clients to come to our office and pick up the pie. We'd have coffee and cookies, chat with a hundred people in a day. And um, not to everybody. Just to my clients, it's a, you got to register in advance, pick your high flavor, right? Whatever. It's a little bit of money, but for me to get FaceTime in front of all these people in a single day and I don't have to get in my car, extremely useful. I'll give you two or three other ways you can multiply this that I've seen done. So that's level one. Level one is do something like a pie giveaway, but you can, it doesn't have to be Thanksgiving. It could be just whatever. And you can do that to you got a list of 450 people that are tax clients. I don't know if they all live in a driving distance. You have the tax clients, you have the real estate clients and the mortgage clients. Do all three of those, do the invite, whoever comes, comes. That's level one. Level two is you can do that in a public place. Like I've seen real estate agents do this at a local market and out in front of the market, they're standing there giving away pies to their clients, but now they've kind of co-marketed, branded it with the location. And so they're not necessarily giving pies or whatever. I think they're giving away pumpkins. This was during the holidays. They're giving away pumpkins to people that would come over and chat with them, right? So that's level two. You take that event instead of doing it in your physical space you do it in a public space so that you get attention level three is is you say hey and this is what tim lacroix did is on top of every box if it was a pie whatever you have a sticker and say hey share this on social media and hashtag us for chance to win x and so what he did was he had them come in and do a chance to win a couple of bottles of wine everybody picked up their pie they went home they took pictures they did the hashtag they shared tons of it all these people are sharing on social media about this pie giveaway that he was doing. And he ended up in his community. There was a, like a wine festival coming up and the wine festival saw all these posts, reached out to Tim and said, Hey, you seem like you're connected. Here's a bunch of free tickets. So then now he had free tickets because he took a physical event and took advantage of the virtual social side of it. So if you think about just start, you know, you're a smart dude, come up with some version of that version. One is what I did, which was just in my office. Cause I was like, Hey, lazy, I don't want to drive version two do it in a public space. Version three is public space and some kind of add-on, but they have to actually do something. And then the other rule to doing these live events that I personally have is that I not get into solving your mortgage problem at that event. Let's say I have a hundred people coming to see me and you come in and you want to talk about your mortgage or about why variables are going up. I'm not going to get to talk to the next three people that come in. 
So my rule is, is, hey, no problem. Listen, I'm going to reach out to you tomorrow. Does this time work? Today's just about fun. Today I just want to do like a fun giveaway. I don't want to do business talk, but I promise you I'll reach out so that you can keep those conversations brief. You get a chance to connect with everybody. Otherwise, what will happen is one person's going to corner you and talk to you for 20 minutes. Five people are going to walk in and you're going to miss. Yeah. So that's it. That's what I would do, man. If you did that, so figure out what and pick some random holiday that most people don't celebrate or that isn't as, you know, because giving a point set at Christmas is like, like, don't do that. Go against the market, go against the grain and you'll stand out more. Because in Thanksgiving, it always stands out way more than it does. If we did the same thing at Christmas, it would just get lost in the wash. And people are already running around. They got kids things. They got, yeah. just don't do it then. So that's what I would do. That's awesome, Scott. That's great. Yeah. So let me know what you decide to end up doing with that. That's how I would do so. I would do community events that are like that. And then you can partner with people. So if you have a, you know, you're, real, you're both, but you could partner with somebody to help you, like either cover the cost of it or help promote it. You can partner with a local business or local businesses, right? You know, something like that. So there's things that you can do with that type of thing. So yeah, I would try something like that. But man, if people are interested, where can they find you online? SebastianPR.ca or Sold with Seb is my Instagram. What is it? Sold with Seb. Sold with Seb. Okay, cool, man. Well, hey, it's been awesome to get to know you, man. Congrats on your success in both industries, which is a very difficult thing to do. And I definitely want to do a, a repeat show with you in a year and see what's going on in your world. You'll be like, right now you have lots of hair. Maybe a year from now, you'll be like, hey, you're bald. <laughs> I'll be back at Bell probably or something. Yeah, no, you won't. You know, you won't. But okay, no, I good chat with you. I can see why Jason loved talking to you. Just that little bit of knowledge there. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I love marketing stuff. So it's kind of my, it's my thing. So thanks, man. Good chat with you. Hey, thanks again for having listened to this conversation I have with Sebastian. I just want to preface one quick thing here. I do not recommend the most of you attempt this. Most of the time when people try this, they kind of suck at both. I don't know how Sebastian's doing it. As I said to him, I'm going to get him back on the show a year from now and see if it's still growing both sides. If one of them's taken over, it's going to be a, kind of like a case study for me. So we guys can watch along. I think it's difficult to do both well, but somehow he's managing to get success in both. So kudos to him. If you're a new mortgage agent and you're like, Scott, I want to build a referral-based mortgage business, the best place to do that is at rookie2rockstar.ca. We have a program designed specifically to help rookies build referral-based businesses faster than anywhere. You know, like Wilma, one of our agents, she funded 11 mortgages just 165 days after joining us. And she just followed the plan. And so if you are interested in having a plan on how to go find, convert, and fund mortgages, go check that out, rookie2rockstar.ca. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Sebastian, well done, brother. And we will be talking again soon. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.